get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibbony, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. This is the Church Politics Podcast, and uh, Justin, we have quite uh, an episode, uh, quite an interview for our listeners this week. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to share this and to, to dive in. Uh, uh, but, 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 but yeah, I mean, uh, so we're talking with Pastor Dwight McKissick, uh, 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 Baptist pastor, uh, down in Arlington, Texas. And, and just, I, I think folks are, are going to enjoy the conversation. I think they will too. Uh, Pastor McKissick was kind enough to lend lend us some of his time. He's a very busy man, and so we appreciate that. And really, what sparked uh, the conversation was some tweets that he was sending out, where he was going back and forth with some other pastors, saying, "Look, is it time for us to create a third party? Because neither of these parties, especially in 2016, represent uh, who Christians really are. Really, are making space for us." whether it's the Republican Party and them uh, turning a blind eye to some of the things that were going on in regard to criminal justice or police brutality or the Democrats who had gone so far left on social issues that it was hard for a Christian to see their place. I think you and I both connected with some of those conversations. And so it was great to have an opportunity to interview him. And like you said, our audience is going to enjoy it. Yeah. And, and, you know, Justin, it was uh, and I I said this uh, during the interview, but it, it just struck me, um, you know, voices like uh, uh, Dwight's and, and, and aren't uh, like Pastor McKissick's aren't necessarily uh, the the central uh, sort of topic of focus uh, right now in media conversations. Everyone's worrying about sort of uh, 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 d- different demographics. Uh, 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 but these voters exist <laughs> and and oh, they they not only do they exist uh they're they're often at the at the base of their parties they're often the difference between uh democrats holding on somewhere or being able to win or uh republicans holding on to a seat and so uh, uh listeners uh, you're not going to agree with everything that's said during the episode that's really not the not the point uh, uh the the point is to lift up uh, uh, influential pastor, not just politically, but uh, primarily within the uh, politics of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, someone who uh, ha- has been serving the Lord in Texas for a long time, uh, and, and to give him an opportunity to share his view on politics as someone who uh, who has uh, lived through and seen quite a bit. And uh, Justin, he he gets fired up at, at points in the conversation, and uh, again, I I just think folks will be will be blessed by it. He did get fired up, and they'll see that we got a little bit a little bit of a sermon at the end, so that's an extra treat. But hope you all enjoy this. I love my family. I'm best friends with my dad. And then this 2016 election cycle came up, and it really drove a wedge in between some of us. Donald Trump's the first person that got us. He's the first person that I actually at least pretend to give a damn about us. Check out Depolarize, the podcast that fights against tribalism and incivility by searching for common ground at the intersection of politics, psychology, and faith. 
This season, we look closely at the phenomenon of white evangelical support for Donald Trump and the many difficult related questions that are begging to be answered. Two grown men picked him up, a 15-year-old kid, and threw him as hard as they could off the hood of the car. Uh, and it's shocking. It's shocking. His whole, all his teeth came out. Uh, he's bleeding all over the place. And they look, they look to us, right? They say, you fucking this is what happens to you. God isn't far away. God is with us now, here, now. Every moment matters. I don't know why I'm crying. It just, it just hurts. Find Depolarize on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a very special guest joining us today on the Church Politics Podcast. We have Pastor Dwight McKissick, who is a well-known Baptist uh, pastor. He is the founder and senior pastor of the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas. And he's been there for almost 34 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was the author of the Southern... In 35 in October. Okay. Yeah, he is the author of the Southern Baptist Convention's alt-right resolution, which was groundbreaking. He's a preacher who's particularly informed and concerned about civic issues and the Christian obligation to to be engaged in the sociopolitical arena with biblical fidelity. Pastor McKissick, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I am excellent, Justin. And as I've uh, listened to you and Michael and uh, your heart, passion and vision and uh, associations and relationships, I am energized. And feel humbled and honored just to be on a podcast conversation with you, gentlemen. That is great. Well, we certainly appreciate your work and really some of the questions that you brought to bear recently. And so we'll get into this interview. Uh, uh, first question, uh, Christians on both sides of the political spectrum could benefit, in my opinion, from reevaluating the way we approach partisanship. I've often said that many of us have allowed our political affiliation to become religious in nature. One of the symptoms of that is that I've noticed is that some Christians I know have changed their views on moral issues, even not based on what the Bible is saying, not based on what their preacher is saying, but based on partisan political rhetoric and the divisiveness within our system. So the question here is, you've been openly discussing uh, Christians starting a third party. What drove you to thinking about, well, spearheading that conversation? What what, what put you in that position? Well, I I guess uh, it goes back probably at least 15 or 20 years uh, to having some level of frustration that no one party, be that the Democrat or the Republican, completely represented the whole of my viewpoints. But I ended up making uh, voting primarily for one party because in one sense they had some non-negotiables that I felt like I, I, I could not be true to my conscience and convictions and vote otherwise. Uh, however, after 40 years of admitting I voted Republican starting in 84, I became disillusioned and disenchanted that uh, the things that concerned me most, protecting the lives of the unborn, protecting the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, uh, neither of those two things had been protected as just as legal today as they were in, uh, well, 84, at least the, uh, the, the abortion is just as legal today. And actually, 
the marriage issue was not, uh, was civil unions at best were allowed back then, but now uh, two people of same sex can marry. So voting Republican did not protect the two issues that mainly caused me to vote Republican. I'm sure I, I sort of bought mm-hmm. into this strong defense and the lower taxes, some of the other uh, philosophies and principles of the Republican Party. But by and large, the driving force for me to vote Republican had to do with abortion and gay marriage, gay rights kinds of, of issues. Um, and I'd hear guys like Tony Evans say along the way that God is not riding the backs of donkeys or elephants. Uh, he mm-hmm. didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. And so yeah. in, in, in principle, at heart, I was always sort of an independent guy. And I fell in love with the kingdom of God about six or seven years ago, studied it. And I, and East Stanley Jones has a book, uh, about the kingdom that basically argues if we understood and applied the kingdom, it would just eliminate all this partisan politics mm-hmm. and it would change the civil rights movement. Everything I have concerns about the kingdom of God properly understood would handle that. It is a kingdom that God came to establish on earth for the glory of his name to spread his value, vision and views uh, to the people on earth to redeem uh, the earth, Jesus announced the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. So his kingdom would be distinctly different from the Republicans or the Democrats. Neither one of them actually represent in, in total and sometimes not even in parts the kingdom of God. So I've been thinking this way for quite some time. It came to a head in the most recent presidential election in what 16, I guess, where, um, I, I, I was found myself studying, uh, Donald Trump, uh, Hillary Clinton. I always, every four years when I, I get the platform of both parties, I literally read the platforms because I think ultimately you're voting for the platform. At least I do more so than for the personality that's running for president. And uh, it was always at the platform level where I just could not uh, embrace certain aspects of what the Democrats would boldly put in writing. Uh, But Donald Trump forced me to take another look at Republicans. If if he is who they value and Hmm. if his history is one that they could take, I, I, I cannot, I can't be in the same party. A vote in the same mm. party with a people who could accept a guy like Donald Trump, just preposterous to me. And so I was open to taking another real look at this issue and arranging anywhere from um, not voting at the presidential level, but voting down line, trying to do a write-in vote, which is difficult to do electronically here in the part of Texas where I vote. Uh, but I listened to a TV debate between Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. And when I got to the question of race and police brutality, I found his uh, comments about police brutality and race so anathema. And Hillary Clinton was promising to have federal oversight of uh, cases that involve police brutality, establishing policies and perhaps laws that would curb uh, the police brutality problem in our nation. Donald Trump was not 
basically not even acknowledging it as a reality. And of course, we've seen what he's done since then. He has removed federal oversight in Ferguson and a couple of Baltimore, a couple of other cities. And yeah. he won't even yeah. comment on these cases out in Sacramento. So that's a local issue. I, I, I can see that coming. And I have 12, now 13 grandkids, I had 12 grandkids at the time. And I thought, man, what, do I want my grandkids to drive their cars in a world where Hillary, if something goes wrong, if a, if they are brutalized by police, Hillary will make sure there's proper investigation, proper oversight, uh, proper changes to address the situation. Accountability will take place. Or do I want Donald Trump to preside over that? And I begin to see pro-life larger than just uh, in the womb kind of question that's uh the quality of life, yeah. the quality of life issues that are equally concerning. When, when you, when what happened with Starbucks, and of course, that's repeated all over the country. It just happened here in Dallas with a couple I personally know. Um, when you can't sit down in a restaurant and order a meal, a manager of a restaurant here just ordered a couple out of a restaurant. They asked why. They said, we don't like you. He wanted to seat another customer. And these were uh, people with high profiles high income. He didn't really know who he was dealing with, else he would have never made that decision. It's backfiring on him. But the mm-hmm. point is, uh, we're much better off with the uh, the, the equity, uh, justice, uh, mindset of, of Democrats on most of these issues than we are with Republicans who tend to uh, support a business uh, or they will support the letter of the law in a way that it will um, not give minorities, uh, people who are economically deprived, the same kind of uh, fair and equitable treatment that it would give to people who are on the higher end of the social scale. So all of those factors just mm-hmm. caused me to say we need a third party that I'd like to see be a party that's actually driven by the principles of the kingdom of God as recorded in the Bible. Got you, got you. Michael, do you have a question? Yeah, well, first, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope that we have some uh, folks listening to this who, uh, are uh, running some of these 2018 campaigns. I hope we have some journalists, uh, listening to this, uh, because there was, uh, so much wisdom in, in your answer, uh, Pastor. And I think that there are many people who feel similarly as, as you, uh, you know, I just asked before we get to, uh, but, but before we, we talk about kind of what a third party would look like, what would it look like for you to both, uh, for both the Republican and the Democratic parties to, to fight for your vote better, to, 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 to be, become more appealing to you? What, what would you like to see from the Republican party and from the Democratic party, uh, with, with midterms coming up? We know that there's a big, uh, uh, race for governor in your state, uh, uh, coming up. And then, of course, as we head into 2020, uh, uh how, how could they appeal to you better? Good question, uh, Michael. I'll start with the Republican first. They need to clearly acknowledge that police brutality is a reoccurring, uh, issue. It's an issue that merits federal oversight federal investigation, federal accountability. It's a serious matter. It's not just an isolated, uh, infinitesimal kind of uh, occurrence. 
It's systemic. It's real. And if the police recognize that the Republican policy for Republican Party has a zero tolerance policy as it relates to police brutality, it would clearly curb uh, the number of mm. incidents we see. That would be yeah. uh, number one. If they uh, want me to, I voted for Hillary Clinton for, again, first time I voted for a Democrat since 1984. And I, as long as Donald Trump is in office, I will never vote for a, certainly a Republican at the top of the ticket. Uh, secondly, yeah. I'd like to see the Republicans move from lip service to action when it comes to, um, uh, I, I'm just, if, 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 if marriage between a man and a woman was a lot of land and it wasn't, uh, bigotry, even in 2008 when Hillary Clinton and, uh, Barack Obama both supported marriage between a man and a woman, how does it shift from, uh, being the position of the leading candidates in the Democrats in 2008 and today, less than 10 years later, now it's all of a sudden bigotry? I'd like to see the Republicans, if you control the White House, the Supreme Court, in both houses of Congress. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why is it that you can't do something about this? Even if somehow you lose, I don't like you getting my vote in the name of you're going to protect the sanctity of marriage, but you don't offer legislation. You lift, you don't know how to lift a finger to do something about it. I wow. need you to make yeah. a strong, bold pushing effort to do something about this, or else I really question your sincerity. You come across to me as being a hypocrite, asking for my vote in the name of how you're going to protect uh, the sanctity of life and marriage, and yet you right. do little to nothing about it. So those would be the two biggest things that the Republican Party could do to yeah. win my vote. Uh, the Democratic Party, I need them to acknowledge that uh, I, I, that hard line drive they have that uh, a litmus test. If you are against abortion, you they will not fund Democratic candidates against abortion. They really don't welcome you into the party. That needs to change immediately. I, I can I'm, I'm into freedom, so I can tolerate even although I'm strong. I, I won't negotiate my beliefs. But if if yeah. if I declared myself a, a politician and a democratic politician, uh, don't let those two issues keep you from embracing me. If I'm for uh, affirmative action, if I'm for a safety net, if I'm for some of the other key uh, uh, fair immigration policies, are there a lot of the policies that I embrace that I think the Democrats hold? Don't let these two items uh, forbid you from. Allow me to be a part of your party and supporting me because at that point, in my judgment, you have moved the Democratic Party to such an extreme position that, um, uh, I don't know that, 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 that I don't think, again, I don't think God right. is on, on, on the side of either party. Both parties, one party yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. is great with a certain racist context and a sexist huh. context by not fully embracing yeah. equal play between a man and a woman. Another party is uh, laden with the uh, notion of, of being wedded to life does not begin at conception. When Rick Warren asked Barack Obama that question before the 2008 election, I believe. Yeah, uh, I remember it well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obama 
rather than answer the question, one of the most brilliant men in America. He says above my pay grade. That was just an optimal way to dodge the question. Be honest and say you <laughs> you either believe life begins at conception, but you think for other reasons it's okay to abort that baby, or you don't believe life begins at, at conception, uh, or what, whatever the case may be. But to dodge yeah, the right. question in the name of that's above your pay grade, Democrats, come on, that's pathetic. Yeah. We need you to be. Well, uh, you know, J- J- Justin and Pastor, what I find, um, uh, what well, ev- every time I, I have the opportunity to talk with you, Pastor, and and uh, it's pe- people like you, uh, 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 people like us, sometimes are often uh, left off the map of our political conversation. Uh, uh, they don't seem to be represented in. Uh, news stories, and yet uh, uh, not only do y'all exist, but there are many, <laughs> many of people who uh, who think this way. We we may be the, of... the side of majority. We will never know. I think most people <laughs> with a biblical worldview, to some extent, will share some sympathies with where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I think a lot of people are more centered in that conversation. One of the things that you said, uh, Pastor McKissick, that really stuck out to me on both sides, and I think people on both sides feel this way, is that the main, the fundamental issues uh, why you supported a party, whether it be the Republican or the Democrat Party, they weren't doing those things. So I hear a lot of folks who supported the Democrats saying, I support Democrats because of uh, they they care for the poor, you know, um, civil rights issues, things of that nature. But it seems in some instances that those are no longer uh, the priorities. And then you hear Republicans say, hey, because of social issues, this is why I supported Republicans. And that and at the end of the day, they weren't actually doing the things exactly, um, which were the main reasons why they were getting our support. I think that was a very good point. So that so that leads to you either have to accept one of these two deficient uh parties, inconsistent parties, or at some point you have to talk about creating a party who the platform and the candidates are people you can fully embrace without any equivocation. And that's why that excuse me, not only the conversation needs to get started, I think some kind of construct needs to be prepared that says here is how it can be done. Time to move from conversation yeah, you're, you're not, to construct to concrete. That's right, and you're not the only one that's feeling feeling that way. Here's my second question: uh, Michael and I have had the opportunity to participate in the political process at a pretty high level on the Democratic side, and I found that a thoroughgoing sense of party loyalty inevitably comes into contact with one's faith. So here's the question. Assuming that an alternate alternative political party option uh, doesn't emerge quickly, how should Christians engage partisanship and ideology generally? How can we engage that in a better way? Well, I think we have to be more issue driven and conviction driven than we are personality or party driven, which means sometimes I'm free now. I sometimes I will vote for. Democrats that I think maybe their integrity, the, the quality of person they are, the, their competence would exceed uh, the Republican. Uh, maybe I'll vote for the Republican 
uh, who, for whatever reasons, I find his or her uh, policies, uh, history, worldview, uh, integrity goes a long way with me. I, 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 I cannot, the, the Republican Party has now lost all credibility with the guy with, with Trump. You can't trust what comes out of his mouth. How you run a candidate like that in 2020, I will never know. But, um, so, so, so to answer your question, it's, to me, it's going to be, you're not voting for a party. You're voting for the man or the woman who best represents what's closer to, uh, a biblical worldview or kingdom values, uh, as you see it. And sometimes politics boils down to who's going to protect my social security check. It's going to boil down to who's going to make sure water, who gets water in Flint. I mean, sometimes it's just some very practical issues that drive people voting yep. decisions. It's not that they even always boil down to who's got the right position on abortion, gay marriage, and those kinds of things. It's, uh, what party is going to uh, make policies and decisions that somehow blesses and protect my interests, the cost of medicine, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. At my age, I'm concerned about the cost of medicine, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. But Pastor, um, well, we've talked a lot on the show so far about sort of disenchantment with with politics and political options, but you know, I, I think we're also seeing a lot of cynicism about about religion, a lot of cynicism about uh, our our faith out there. Uh, and I, I guess you, you've been loving and serving Jesus for a long time. Uh, and you've weathered a, a, a lot. You've seen a lot. Uh, we, we recognize what's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention right, right now around, uh, a sexual uh, abuse and sexual harassment yes. and gender issues. We see what's happening, uh, as the Southern Baptist Convention continues to grapple with the legacy of racism, both within the denomination and in this country, as are many other groups of Christians and Americans, uh, especially for, for younger people. Uh, what is your, um, uh, g- give us some spiritual advice about, about, uh, how to keep from, uh, growing weary in the faith, uh, in, in such complex times, both politically, culturally, religiously? Well, I think ultimately we see the answer is not going to be in politics, a party Mm. or a particular man or woman. Mm. The Mm. answer is going to be in a commitment to Christ and his kingdom, which will heal some of the divisions on both sides which takes us above politics to be able to love each other in spite of how one voted, in spite of how one, where even one stands on a particular issue. The kingdom of God is large enough to absorb our differences as long as we uh, practice kingdom values. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. Can you love that older person? Can you love that younger person? Can you love the person with the tattoos? Can you love the person with the ring in the ear? Can you love the person who 
got an abortion three weeks ago. Can you uh, work together across differences based on the principles of God's love, redemption, restoration, these sorts mm. of things. And that's kind of what's missing from the uh, conversation now. Everybody's staunched in a particular party of viewpoint, and we tend to have a whole hostility almost uh, toward mm. uh, the other. Can we treat the immigrant uh, with the compassion the Bible talks about entertaining a stranger uh, unaware, uh, enforce existing laws about uh, immigration and border control, but at the same time, who wants families uh, torn up? Mm. Yesterday's announcement by Attorney General Sessions about uh, taking babies and sending them back, uh, that, that kind of uh, mindset is not a kingdom mindset. So we're going to have to, um, yeah. uh, we need a, a old fashioned first, second great awakening, uh, and a, and a Zuzu revival where all the races came together under God. And the, what dominated discussion was not partisan politics, but how could we love one another? <laughs> That's how we got to get back to yeah. how can we love yes, one another? Yes, yes. Yes. That is excellent. Um, one thing that I, that we, so it's interesting that you said, uh, me and Michael talk about politics all the time. But part of the reason that we talk about politics all the time is to put it into its proper perspective and its proper place. And I like that you pointed out that, uh, what's going to change is actually not the biggest changes aren't necessarily going to come from politics, uh, that we should be engaged, but that at the end of the day, we know uh, that the changes that need to come from the church and other interactions that may not touch politics directly. That's so important to say, because we have some people who don't want to touch politics at all. We have others who think politics is the answer and all the answers and all the uh, uh, all the solutions are going to come out of there. And so it's good to keep that in perspective. And we we appreciate that. Uh, so we're about to end. We appreciate your time once again. But is there anything that you would just add uh, just a final note? that you would you know, want believers to know note, when it comes to Christian and politics. One final note, the reason society is sick is because the church is sick. Yes. The reason mm. there's so uh -huh. much dysfunction Good. from the White House to your house, my house, the schoolhouse, is because the church house is no longer that place of prayer and healing and unity. The church house is no longer the moral guardian of society. Uh, Ultimately, it was Christ through his church that broke the back of slavery and segregation in America that has curbed sexism and chauvinism to some hmm. extent, who, re who brought dignity to the garbage workers in Memphis when King marched. People forget King was a Baptist preacher. Ultimately, everything he did yeah. falls under the rubric of Jesus Christ. And his church, mm. the church has been the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the, re the redeeming agent of society. But now because the church has gone either so far with the Republicans or so far with the Democrats, we are following the world rather than the world following us. We have lost our moral authority to lead because we allow on one hand the Republicans to lead the white evangelical church. And the Democrats to lead the black evangelical church. Martin Luther King was not identified with a partisan political viewpoint. People debate now what was his politics. I don't think we 
really know whether he was Republican or Democrat at the end of the day. From what I could read, he, as he seemed to have voted on both sides. And again, that may be the, 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 the solution in the meantime. But what Martin Luther King was driven by the, the principles of the beloved community, building a community where people loved each other, regardless to their background and politics. We got to get back to the principles of Jesus and love uh, leading the way as opposed to partisan politics. That would be the church has to come back and be the church again and season society, influences society, shapes values in society. And until our churches get better, our nation will never get better. Do you wear funny socks? Most men do. Whether it's at the office or at the bar, your socks are guaranteed to be a conversation starter. Society Socks is a men's sock subscription company that sends two pairs of exclusively designed socks to your door every month. These socks are made of warm, soft, and comfortable blend of combed cotton guaranteed to make you look well-dressed. But why are they called Society Socks? Socks are one of the most needed and least donated clothing items at homeless shelters. Though Society Socks aims to change that. With every pair of socks purchased, another pair of socks is donated to a homeless shelter. Not only will your socks feel and look great, but you will be confident that you are making a positive change. With two surprise pairs of socks arriving to your door every month in your subscription, you'll begin to grow your sock collection. Try out our first month of a sock subscription at 50% off when you use the code OFF THE RECORD. Put an end to the boring socks and subscribe today. Well, Justin, we, we told people, I, I so enjoyed that conversation with Pastor McKissick and um, uh, the, uh, the, the conviction in, in his heart and, and uh, especially what he shared there uh, towards the end of the interview about, uh, you know, his, his continued confidence in uh, the church that's led by Jesus Christ was, was moving, was moving to me. And I, 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 I'm sure others were, were moved by the, the, the passion and the wisdom that he shared. Yeah. One thing that really struck me was, although he was very strong in his faith and what he believed, you could see that there was a willingness to compromise and to, to have grace on others that whom he may disagree with. And I think he pointed that out uh, once or twice. Uh, that we're not going to get everything from either party, but there are certain things that we cannot bend on in regard to our faith. And there's there's some difference there. And so I was glad to hear that. Uh, look forward to hopefully even having him on again. This was a good conversation. and I hope our audience enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we always enjoy being able to uh, host and bring these conversations uh, to you, to listeners. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode, what you'd like to see from us in the future. Uh, until next week, this is the Church Politics Podcast. Bless y'all. I'm grooving for the activists and graduates. I'm an advocate for those feeling abandonment. In the favelas and slums, the ghetto inhabitants. It's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The only thing good came out of Nazareth. This is the groove. Tell me, can yeah. I'm schooled in the ways of runaway slaves. I'm brave. I'm unchained. I'm Frederick Douglass with a fade.